0: I'm Kama, and you can find me at Grammar Saves Lives on Tumblr. And tonight I'm joined by Chickie. Hey, this is Chickie. I am Chikrin on Tumblr. And
1: YD. Hi everyone, this is YD. You can find me at Yellow Delaney on Tumblr.
0: And our two special guests, uh Gato. Hi, I'm Gato, and you can find me at GatoMishchief.tumbler.com. And Jess. Hi, this is Jess, and I'm Joyous Follies on Tumblr. Okay, so the episode we'll be discussing is Game of Thrones, Season 5, Episode 8, Hard Home. And as always, we will be spoiling everything, show, and especially tonight, um, probably spoiling stuff from the books. And stuff right? that isn't in the books. Show. <laughs> <laughs> the show is spoiling us, dude. Um, and although I don't know if it will come up... uh we may or may not have a discussion on rape and we'll certainly have discussion on violence. So if those are triggers for you, uh, you may want to check out now.
1: Also trigger yeah. warning for zombies.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah. If that's a problem, this is <laughs> definitely, you should just stop watching the just show. Just stop now. Together. Just stop watching it completely. <laughs> Give it up. Okay. So tonight what we're going to do is group the scenes. Um, and let's go to King's landing first. Um, Cersei has been stripped of her finery and is clad in some sort of homespun thing, and she's in a cell. And um, in a succession of scenes, she's visited by, I believe, the character's name is Septa Unella. Yeah, who holds a ladle of water in front of her, and she keeps demanding that Cersei confess um, before she she can drink. And um, Cersei keeps refusing, she tries to bribe the Septa, and then when that doesn't work, she promises revenge. Not working. (laughs) Uh, Finally, Kyburn in another scene shows up, and we learn that the charges in the case against Cersei are pretty hefty. Um, Adultery, although they seem to be calling it fornication. uh, Treason and incest. Um, And then... Through some exposition, we find out that Pisel has brought Kevin back to be Hand of the King, and Uncle Kevin does not want to come and visit. Uh, she asks about Tommen, and we learn that Tommen has basically, I guess, had some sort of a, I don't know, he's like shut that. himself into his rooms, he's not eating, won't come out, so that's great. And Kyburn kind of hints that maybe Cersei should confess, which she's not going to do because she made the High Sparrow what he is today. There's an ominous mention of Kyburn's work continuing. Um, And then in the last tiny little scene, um, Unella basically, when Cersei won't confess, just spills the water on the floor. And the minute she's left alone in the cell, Cersei drops to her knees and starts lapping it up literally from the floor.
1: Oh man, I've got to say that Lena is knocking it out of the park with this material. I just—I was absolutely blown away by the way she was handling it, and I really can't wait to see how she handles the walk. Like when she, as you were saying, Com, in the last scene where she just falls to the floor to drink the spilled water, you could just feel the desperation coming off her in waves. She's doing such a fantastic job. Well, and it's so book Cersei,
2: that's that's yeah, what's kind of fun about it. She, You know, it's that thing where she, she tries to manipulate and, and tries to rise above for a minute, and then it's like she mm-hmm. can't resist, and suddenly she's threatening Onella again.
1: I know! <laughs> uh, I love how she, she can't was, play the game. I love how she was vacillating between, I'm going to tear you limb from limb to, I can make you rich if you let me go. Like, <laughs> it's so, <laughs> yeah. as you say, like it's so Cersei. I mean, if you think about it, this is a woman who's only ever had two weapons in her arsenal, and that is her family name, the Lannister name, her status, and also, I guess, sex or her looks. And now we're kind of seeing what she's like with either, without either tool at her disposal, and it's, it's riveting, and it's really kind of sad to watch. I mean, God, she, she's doing such a, such a good job. I love,
3: I really I love like... seeing her like that. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, it's finally, it's a breath of fresh air to finally see, you know, Cersei getting what's coming
1: to her, you know, karma's coming around. I read someone online saying, Mad if only they'd put her in a cell with Marjorie.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: oh my God. <laughs> like they do say that hell is other people. Yeah. <laughs> so, I were really you, guys, like were you act- guys. Go ahead. Sorry, Tom. Oh, I was just going to say, I really love the actress playing Septa Onella. I mean, she's got, like, I think a total of two lines, one of which she says over and over again. And they're, like, basically, like two words. And she's really good. She mm. looks. She's got presence. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Yep. She's yeah, the whole really bitch in charge. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, I was just going to
2: say were you guys sitting there in the Kyburn scene waiting for her to give him instructions to write to Jamie I was yes. so Dude, disappointed
3: yes. <laughs> I, I
2: was are. like yelling three times at
1: my TV <laughs> I was like I love you three times I was like What's has she on? have they already sent Jamie a letter because you know she does check in with Kyburn and ask oh have we had any word from Jamie and I wasn't sure whether that was just a generic oh have we heard from Jamie or hey has he responded to the many letters that you've sent him on my behalf <laughs> I mean I feel <laughs> (laughs) like if they were setting up
2: a letter, they would have been more explicit about it, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I get get uh, a feeling
1: we're not going to see one. I don't know. You guys? No, I get a feeling we're not going to. I think maybe they don't place the
0: same amount of emphasis on it as we do. Well, they didn't... I mean, she didn't even know what the charges were against her. So, I mean, if she decides really to go with the champion bit it doesn't even sound like she's even gotten to that point of even thinking this out or that that's been suggested as a possibility that she could have like a trial yeah. by I, combat and that yeah. so maybe it's
2: a- Yeah. there's a lot that's really unclear I mean clearly some time is passing if Kevin is already back in the capital by the time that Kyburn talks to her I mean even by show standards that would have to take a couple of weeks I right, would think cause he's returned to
1: Casterly Rock hasn't he well, yeah. I mean, he'd have
2: to get the message and then get there. yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to tell exactly what's going on, especially with the charges. Yeah, we time there time were lights. some changes in wording. Yeah, we do need timelines. Could you just timecode oh this, God. please, from now on? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Actually, I'm going to say one more thing, and it's sort of uh, coming off the back of what we were saying about how well characterised Cersei has been in this scene, how, how much book Cersei she is. I love how she admonishes Kyburn for not telling her that this would blow up in her face. Like, what does Kyburn say? <laughs> um, belief is so often the death of reason, I think he says, and she says, oh, I wish you'd said it sooner. Like, why didn't you tell me this would happen? <laughs>
3: I'm going turn it around on him, like, if it's his fault. Oh, God.
0: Probably does think it's other people's fault. I'm sure she does. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> she does. Okay. Anything else? No. Okay. I think we're, we're gonna go across the Narrow Sea to Marine. Um, basically, we open up. Danny has Jorah and Tyrion in front of her in the throne room, and she doesn't want to listen to anything Jorah has to say, but she's kind of interested in what Tyrion is bringing to the table, and he tells. He he presents his resume of uh, credentials of killing Lannisters, and there's a bunch of stuff back and forth. You're hired. Yeah. (laughs) Basically, (laughs) he points out that she doesn't know much about Westeros. And when she asks for advice, he says, don't kill Jorah, but you can't have him by your side anymore. Mm -hmm. And she banishes him. Um, Jora ends up, and I'm going to screw the pronunciation up this on um, this one, but she goes. He goes back to Yeznan. Does that sound Ye- right? Yez-
1: Yez- He's the guy who owns, yeah,
0: uh, the, who's got the, the fighters for the pits. Yeah. And and a somewhat confusing scene to me personally. He sells himself back into slavery because he <laughs> wants the chance to fight before Danny. But we'll talk about that in a bit. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> because if there's anything, if
1: there's anything Danny loves more than people selling themselves into slavery, I don't know what it is.
0: <laughs> and then we have another scene where Tyrion and Danny have a, a long conversation about what she's trying to accomplish in Essos and what she wants to do in Westeros. Um, she seems convinced that the small folk are going to support her, and Tyrion. Um, I don't think he laughs in her face, but he points out that she needs the support of the families, and there are not a lot of those left. Um, she's not interested, and we get that it was—it's that bit that was in the trailer. Um, you know how these are all—all all these houses are spokes on a wheel, and what she's going to do is break the wheel. Where they're sure proud of that line, aren't they? Oh, sure <laughs>
1: they sure are. I'm pretty—I am fairly. I'm actually fairly certain that they wrote that line specifically to put it in the trailer. Yeah, probably. I would believe that. <laughs> I hate it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I
3: don't Because I don't understand what she means by that. Like, what's the ultimatum? By destroying the fam? like, you know, the houses? Well,
1: I think well, it's she's like- saying <laughs> that if she, <laughs> she's saying that, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not even going to stop the wheel. I'm actually going to crush everything so that this will just stop happening. I'm going to destroy all the family. It's, I'm just going to...
3: <laughs> Didn't she just say like two episodes ago that she's not a butcher? <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Well, Danny, well, Danny it, like gets confused. confused. She wants to oh, come okay. and
2: impose, you know, like total monarchy on everybody, and yet at the same time wants to pretend she's a liberator. I don't know. It, it's hard. There's so much. It's a hard balance. So much. You know what? There's so much American rhetoric in in what they kind of are doing with Danny. This idea yeah. of viewing yourself yeah. as a liberator yeah. when you're a conqueror. Um, it it's confused it's really
0: American <laughs> rhetoric. Very It confused. is a confused American. Reference. Like people who didn't pass civics confused. People yeah. who never took a political science class confused.
2: Exactly. And is it harder for you guys to digest when I hear it like in, in in an English accent? I'm like, what is this American thing that you're saying with your English accent in this fantasy movie? I mean like <laughs> It's kind of tough to t- <laughs> to take it all in. I mean, you know,
0: yeah, I'm look, sure I- our <laughs>
2: listeners are aware of how we feel about Danny on kind of a meta level, but yeah. <laughs> like, this was a tough one to do.
1: I think at really. the heart of it, it's a lot of naivety and, and I guess her youth shining through. I mean, it's interesting now with Tyrion by her side. I mean, if you think about it together, they may make a pretty good team. I mean, with her idealism and her ambition and his... Sort of pragmatism and political savvy, they could actually uh, make a difference. But yeah, I guess it depends on whether or not Danny will actually take on board what Tyrion
0: advises. Well,
1: that's I the thing. Do my do sister, like my sister together. and I were watching it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead,
3: come.
0: No, well, I was going to say I do like the two actors together. I think I find her less annoying, and her scenes seem to be better to me when she's with Dinklage.
1: Yeah, that's it's all. interesting because yeah, I, um, I, I actually. I was saying to nobody in particular before this episode <laughs> that I actually did enjoy Daddy in this episode. I thought um, Amelia Clark does work really well with Peter Dinklage, and that scene where they're sitting together and they're sharing a drink and, and discussing what they're discussing about their families and about their hopes and dreams—it was expositiony, and it it did feel awkward but it was a believable kind of awkward to me since I mean if you think about it these are two people who've just met they they're two people who really should be adversaries and they're kind of dancing around each other while trying to work out their new dynamic I guess so that awkwardness and and the stiffness I was getting whether intentional or not it seemed fitting
2: yeah I I guess I don't know it was really tough for me to just believe that someone like Danny even show Danny would just embrace Tyrion, I guess. I mean, you can see why she, it's funny. I, I kind of got shades of, of Barristan meeting Danny in, in Tyrion meeting Danny, if that makes any sense. Like the, the meeting in the throne room felt very much like the, the Barristan meeting Danny when he actually meets her face to face as himself, because he is side by side with Jorah and, and they do get kind of tested um, so that Danny can decide whether she's going to forgive them. It's weird. This was kind of like a, a replay of Jorah's previous banishment scene, but um, I just have a hard time believing that she could this quickly trust Tyrion.
1: Well, does I- I mean, she? I even if his
2: job interview went that well, I mean, well, I mean, she trusts him enough to even
1: discuss anything with him or to well, let him into is, her personal the- chamber with yes, no guard. I but, mean, but she has all the power; she could kill him with one word. So, I mean, there's a huge power imbalance here. Despite the fact that Tyrion is a really smart guy, and yes, he seems to be talking her around. But, you know, I guess we need to remember that Danny is still the one with all the power. And, yeah, she may be, I guess, divulging some of her secrets and and her plans. But really, if if she ever feels threatened by him, he's dead.
2: That's true. But, I I mean, just to even allow him to be this close to her, frankly, is a little astounding to me, considering that he just killed the last monarch that he worked for, as far as anybody knows. Maybe she's into it. (laughs) <laughs> i mean she's getting off on the danger <laughs> I, mean, I, I think this must just be a function of the plot i mean are we all assuming now that Tyrion's gonna run marine when danny rides off on drogon yeah, i mean is that i mean kind that's of the what
0: i assume now? yeah i mean we're i suppose about the they just, drama, just had to like, rush through it and yeah. i got that feeling too like just even just the way they shot it like when you watch that scene at the beginning Tyrion and jorah are like they're so separated from Danny, and mm-hmm. the way that they shoot it, like you, they shoot it at a downward angle when they're yes. looking at Danny to make her look higher, and they shoot an upward angle looking at uh, Jorah and Tyrion to make them look smaller. But as the scene goes on, Tyrion gets closer and closer to Danny, like physically, mm-hmm. and he also gets higher. And yep. as you watch, like the angle of the uh, camera, it's straight on at the end of the scene. Like they're looking straight on at Danny. They're looking straight on at Tyrion. So I feel like they're mm-hmm. trying to convey that he is actually getting closer to her level.
1: Yeah. And I think yeah. I think what Shiki says is right because I, it did also feel a bit rushed to me, and I think that is just a function of them trying to speed up the plot line, which is what they've mm-hmm. been doing um, a lot with Tyrion, obviously. I mean, yeah, I, I welcome it. I mean, I, as I said, I can deal with some of the awkwardness. I can deal with some of the uh, the fact that it's maybe not – Hundred percent believable because I would much rather see Tyrion where he is now than just on ships whining a lot. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah,
1: I don't know, I don't know.
2: For me, it's just I guess I guess I was expecting more emotional impact from this meeting, and I just haven't felt it yet. And I don't know if that's because I was spoiled for it or what. And I feel like it's just because they just are forcing it a little bit. And I I don't know what I was expecting, and maybe it's unfair because I was spoiled. I'm not really sure, but it just isn't quite working for me. And I really kind of thought that it would. We'll have to see again.
3: Yeah, I get it, what you mean. Like, yeah. I wasn't excited for the meeting. I thought it would be like this epic yeah. thing where finally we're getting like two of the major characters to meet up in season five. But I was just like, ugh, eh, it was all right. I'm happy yeah. to give it
1: some time and see where it goes.
2: Although, I, mean, I do it agree horrible, with you.
3: But it was fine. No,
2: well, and I think Amelia was actually pretty good, especially in that throne room scene. She was kind of using yeah. her hands and. and I, I I have to give mad props. I'm pretty impressed with Miguel Sapochnik. I think that's how you pronounce his name, who who directed know, this episode.
1: Yeah. He really played oh, yeah. to her
2: strengths. Mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like in the way that he directed this scene and and she was she was surprisingly effective. Yeah. Um, in that I didn't notice her acting. I had to actually pay attention to it the second time through. I was like, wow, she was actually really great in this. And I mean, you know, obviously Ian Glenn is always good. The the interplay between Jorah and Danny in that in that scene in the throne room was really, really, really good.
1: Yeah, I've gotta say she was much better with Jorah. I as I said, I found her a little bit stiff with the Tyrion um scenes, but with Jorah, I've gotta give props to Amelia. I think she did a really good job of actually conveying Um, something other than what she usually conveys like the fact that she's hurt and the fact that she's got this internal conflict
0: happening I actually really felt that so yeah well done to Amelia for that the one the big problem I had with this was the the whole spokes on the wheel and also the Stannis' claim does not Whatever Tyrion said is bullshit. It doesn't rest on... What it rests on is the legitimacy of Robert's conquest and the illegitimacy of Cersei's children. It has nothing to do with anything else. And they kind of threw out... like No mention of the Martells, who I would think would be a uh. natural family for her to be contacting... Uh, yeah. Well,
1: just from what we know from the what we know from the books, you would think that they would
0: mention the Martels. Well, they've already brought it up we have this whole plot in Dorn. I would mm-hmm. think that that would come up with, hey, you know, your in-laws or cousins or whatever you want to call it. You know, these might be people you'd want to be talking to as a possibility. And Tyrion is supposed to be the smartest one in the room, and he's not saying that. That's a problem. Well,
2: I thought that's, that's where they were going when they brought up Jamie. I was like, "Oh, they're going to mm-hmm. segue into the Martells here," and it just never
0: happened. It didn't happen, yeah. so that was a little strange. But I am for anything that makes me not loathe Amelia Clark, and this was kind of working for me. So, <laughs> yeah.
3: It, 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 hopefully, it will get better. But it wasn't <laughs> bad, so
1: <laughs> okay. Anything it could have been else? way worse.
0: That's glowing yeah, prize yeah. from us for Amelia. <laughs> okay we're still in uh essos as we go to bravos where aria basically it sounds like she's constructing a an identity as lana a seller of shellfish and she's reciting this for i'm gonna call him jock and i know he's supposed to be the kindly man but it's C. C. Hard. Jesus. Home, yeah, it's a hot assassin jesus there um That's the one. She's instructed to go down a particular street to, you know, observe what's going on. And she sees an exchange before between somebody they call the Thin Man, who's some kind of medieval insurance agent, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't really clear on this. I don't think it really matters. Um, Jackin instructs her to kill the medieval insurance guy. She agrees. Uh, The waif doesn't think she's ready for this. And then there's this ambiguous thing how... Jackin doesn't think it's important either way to the red or to the many-faced god. So yeah, this was, uh, this was this <laughs> was this was one of those
2: really really um, beautiful scenes that remind you just how big the budget is this year. I mean, like as she was wheeling like you know around with her little cart and everything. I was just like, oh, my God, this feels huge. It reminded me of, what was it, episode two when when they first arrived in Bravo. Yeah. So I was like, oh, hot damn, this is so good.
1: Yeah, it feels like um, a real city, like a real, real yeah, location, missing. really yeah. vibrant and bustling. Oh yeah. And a whole culture that they've established a different
0: culture. I love it. Yeah. And most
1: importantly, Arya gets her second costume change for the season. I bet Maisie was thrilled.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and a new hairstyle. And a new And hairstyle. it's clean. She it's talks clean. specifically about the cleanness <laughs> of her hair in an interview. <laughs> which I cannot blame the girl. Yeah.
1: <laughs> My hair moves and it's I don't, clean. I don't smell anymore.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I was just... Uh, so funny, as she was like going to, to scope out the insurance dude, I was expecting her to, to lay eyes on Maren Trant and, and Mace Tyrell. I was a little surprised that didn't happen this episode, but I assume it's coming next episode. Yeah, it's interesting,
1: know. because we discussed previously how we thought that, that perhaps they would skip the whole Cat of the Canal thing and and go straight to her first kill being Maren Trant, but apparently they're doing the, the insurance guy first. I have a feeling that she's going to abandon maybe one for the other. That
2: might you be... Think? you think she runs into
1: two, two murders would be too much in one second? I don't
2: know. I mean, the biggest crime in this scene to me was how she poured that vinegar all over those oysters. So oh, God.
1: God. <laughs> I actually had such a craving for oysters after watching this episode. They looked really good. They did look good. They did. Like, oh, my oh, my God. God. She used use samples, oil. too. <laughs> I know. I was like, is she going to charge him for that oyster? <laughs> the
0: things I worry about. The only quibble, and I suppose it's small, but it's like one of those things where it's like, dudes, why don't you just make, throw the book readers a little bone and just call her Cat. What would have been uh, so hard with that? What
1: is but the show?
2: They had a cat as as she was saying, Lana of the Canals they or do, whatever, the yeah, cat s- jumped on screen. It's like they yeah. were giving it a nod.
1: Yeah. What, is the show- what is the show's it- aversion to actually using the name Cat? I mean, first it's only your sister, <laughs> now she has to be La- Lara, is it? One
0: of the has a I don't know. Maybe there was a thing deep in his childhood or something. I don't.
2: Know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, she can go ahead. But I I saw somebody caught on Reddit that um, the the redheaded woman that that yes. um, Arya talks to is from the Salador San scene. Uh, like, was it last season? Or the season? Before yeah, in Bravo? season
1: four, in the bathhouse with Davos. Oh. Yeah, her name's Lara. The uh, the character. Yeah, I'm yeah. wondering, is that oh. meant to be the same prostitute? Because if so, that's a cool bit of continuity. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> She's a prostitute
0: and she loves shellfish. Well, didn't it say she was on <laughs> her way home
2: from work in the morning? So yes. Was, like, yeah. yeah, it seems to indicate that. Yeah. yeah, that was pretty cool. This cockle-loving prostitute. <laughs> that's a
0: that's <her> name. Okay. <laughs> so, let's get back to Westeros. We're gonna go to Winterfell. Dion is delivering food to Sansa and she demands to know why he betrayed her. And basically it comes down to his conditioning is really deep. He thinks that he was doing her a favor. Um, and he starts to tell Sansa what Ramsay's done to him and chopping off parts of him. And then she kind of basically says she's happy he suffered. And, you know, if Ramsay hadn't done it, she would have, um, and there's a lot going on there. But in the end, he reveals that um, he did not kill Brandon and Rickon. He killed these two farm boys. And, you know, she wants to know what's happened to her brothers and he can't tell her. But uh, I think we've got a game change here, at least for Sansa. Does anyone then, not
2: know that Bran and Rickon are alive, though, is the question? I feel like everyone must know at this point.
0: Yeah. Mm. Uh, let me just finish John up this knows. one little... Brienne, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Um, and the other Winterfell scene is elsewhere in the castle. Roose is getting a report about how many men, horses, etc., that Stannis has. And his strategy, which seems pretty sound to me, is starve and or freeze Stannis out, whichever comes first. Ramsay, of course, doesn't care for this. To him, this is an opportunity to go get his psychopath on and kill a bunch of people. And also cement their hold over the other northern houses. And he basically says he only needs 20 good men and he'll take care of it. Mm. So going back to, to Theon and Sansa, okay,
1: <laughs> it's, it's difficult for me to discuss this stuff because I absolutely do not like what they're doing with this storyline. But I have to say... It has given Sophie Turner a chance to, sh- to really shine. I thought she was incredible in this scene. And obviously it goes without saying that Alfie Allen's acting has also been amazing. He's always fantastic. And look, if I could pluck this scene out of the greater narrative and look at it in isolation without any of the problematic context... I would say that i I really did like Reek's reveal to Sansa that that Bran and McClin are alive you know it's it's something we've all been waiting for for a long time um It was this hugely powerful moment. I think that the actors did did it justice i mean i I did enjoy it it, it emotionally resonated with me,
2: yeah, I mean it was great payoff for what they'd been setting off or, or setting up earlier in the season. Um, and uh, you know, I agree with you. It, there was a lot of power to the scene. I mean, it, it is tough to digest any of this just in context. And and I you know, I continue to just struggle with how much of this I feel is framed to be about Theon. And I, mm. I felt that again here. But you know, there w- there was a really great moment. And I agree. I mean, both Alfie and and Sophie are are doing amazing work. Pretty much everybody in this whole Winterfell. Thing the only thing holding it together is that the talent is so amazing that you, you yeah. are willing to watch it. <laughs> I yeah. Mean, basically. Yeah. And um, it it was a really powerful moment, and you know I I listened to the after I don't know what are they calling those in inside, inside the, the episode. 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 Yeah, whatever it is anyway yeah I, you know d d we're talking about how this is a big moment for Sansa so I assume that we're getting a hint of what they're doing with her next season I don't know sometimes I feel like the inside of the episode is a total throwaway and it really has nothing to do with anything that's going to go on so it could be yeah, just like John, where it, it doesn't ever go anywhere that he knows that, that Brandon and run are alive yeah. <laughs> oh, or Sansa's
1: but... off to Skagos to get Rickon. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Sansa and Devil's <laughs> <trainable. laughs>
2: <laughs> all, all I can say is how much I was laughing at how much taller so Oh
1: my god! <laughs> I know there was actually a discussion about this on Reddit, and someone was saying, "Oh, wow. you know, if you look at internet movie database Elvie Allen's meant to be the same height as Sophie Turner," and I'm it's like, so "Well, either true. he's lying about his height, or they've got her in stilettos because <laughs> somebody's lying. Somebody's
0: <laughs> somebody's like... everybody. She really I is. I mean, she towers oh, so over
1: um, all of those guys. I mean, it's." Great! It really worked in her favor in this scene too. It really gave her the mm. balance of power. It made her quite intimidating, which I think worked well, for the scene.
0: And again, I I think um, how it was blocked it makes a big difference. I yeah. mean, I think this director did a decent job with all of he this. He was
2: great. Yeah. Oh, and okay. The, so the the oh, Ramsey thing. I suppose we should talk about this. I mean. We know from the preseason trailers that we saw a bunch of tents in the snow on fire and we've kind of deduced that that's Stannis's camp and that there's going to be a fire there so I assume that this is Ramsay's little yeah. raid is going to result yeah. in this fire situation I don't know this whole thing seems pretty harebrained to me Yeah. it <laughs> doesn't mean it will fail on the show so I don't know <laughs> I don't know what's going to oh. go on I mean do we feel like maybe this is Sansa and Theon are going to escape while Ramsay's gone I mean I don't know what do you guys think do you have any I thoughts? I think
1: that's like well I feel like that's what they're setting up but I, i'm finding it so hard to speculate i mean i keep i keep turning this stuff over in oh my gosh. mind and thinking well logically this might happen but then logic seems to have no place in no. the storyline so i, logic I really is, really don't no, it has know. no presence in westeros or essos just abandon that <laughs> mm. well at
2: least in this I mean, wonderful one it's tough yeah it's tough to apply much logic to it i, I don't know where the, they must be going somewhere with it clearly i just don't know where
0: Mm-hmm. I get the feeling that Roos just keeps hoping that on one of these stupid ass exposition editions that Ramsey go off so that the kid's going to get killed and then he can just go back to his nice, quiet uh, people who are terrified of him. And, you know, well, his more logical his- strategy, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> that is the more intelligent thing to I do. Mean, wait wait like, it out. Yeah, wait it out. You know, these guys are going to die and you'll be fine. You know? Yes. We all want good things for us. I mean, and good I luck on your six off. months
2: of supplies in a 10-year winter, but, I mean,
0: otherwise. Well, there's yeah. that,
1: too. I mean, but... presumably, I think he was saying that, you know, we have at least six months to wait out the siege. I mean, I don't know if they have other ways of getting food through to them if they weren't under
0: siege. But, yeah. Yeah, I I, I don't, I think the, I think the India forgotten all about the fact that winter's last year, so, you know. Yeah, and just... look, Roos doesn't have a Davos to come through with onions, so yes, I, don't it's true. Do? <laughs> I don't know, what's he going to do? I don't know.
3: We'll I was have a just say, um, night or something regarding the I just wanted to point out the the scene between Roos and ramsay i um i I love the lighting in the in the mm-hmm. scene that you know you have Ramsay in shadow and then Roos, you know with the light hitting his face I thought it was a i thought it was it was very beautiful so. Yeah.
0: It certainly oh, highlighted his happy. magnificent nose. <laughs> 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 he, he did a really
2: great overhead shot in that in that Ramsey and Roose scene and, and and there were a few of those in this episode and I loved every single one of them. Like the establishing shots were from above, and I thought that was a really cool thing to do.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah, it's effective.
0: Okay. So we have a brief scene at the wall with Gilly tending to Sam's wounds. Sam wants to know how she's doing which I was a little confused by because she has done this before I mean she has a child and all um <laughs> I <laughs> mean he the- may have also been referencing her attempted rape. I don't know. Oh yeah, I guess although well all right. Um and then ollie the potato boy comes in and there's a discussion of the rightness wrongness of what John is off doing and Sam explains that there's a much l- larger threat um coming at them than the wildlings and ollie does not seem convinced he's so gonna shank john we know this right
1: well sam essentially gives him permission or he tells him that sometimes a man has to make hard choices ollie and (laughs) you could just see you could just see it turning over in ollie's mind he's like yep that's it i know what i have to do (laughs) stab stab And can we also mention the little nod to book readers when Sam says, I've been worrying about John for years. He always comes back. I enjoy that. (laughs) (laughs) He's coming back, guys. Uh,
2: Yeah, I mean... Uh, I mean, I do think it's kind of funny that they're having John's <laughs> main opposition in the Night's Watch be a child. I mean, there is there some, is some, some enjoyment in that fact for me, but I, I don't know. I mean, this is so heavy handed, unless they actually oh don't have Ollie do it. I mean, Honestly,
1: like um, thing. Ollie stabbing John is such a foregone foregone conclusion at this point that I really hope that D- like David and Dan are just messing with us and Ollie is like off playing hopscotch when John gets murdered yeah. or something. Like They're it.
0: trying that to put the fear in us. Awesome, and I would yeah. respect them so much more. But and I my fear is we're going to get an inside the episode with Dan and uh, what's his name David is that it I don't know D and D talking mm. about. How much of a surprise it was that Ollie the potato boy turns out to be, you know, the the traitor or whatever. Hey,
1: this... Who saw that coming?
0: <laughs> it's gonna be a real shock. Did you Never guys know it on. did you guys
1: know that Wild Things killed his family? Oh
0: god. Jess, <laughs> were <laughs> you trying to get in there or? No, I just
3: I really don't like him.
0: <laughs> like, he drives me they crazy. Have a
3: like, that's like
1: against like that he...
0: character. Yeah,
1: they do. They do. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Like, I feel like he's had more screen time this season than Brienne, and that like irritates
1: me. He certainly has. He irritates me. It's like he and Brienne are in a competition to see who has the most pensive looks throughout the season.
0: I think, and he's winning. (laughs) He totally. Well, he has resting evil face. I swear. (laughs) 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 So true.
2: I mean, okay. the kid's not a bad actor. I, You know, I don't want to, like, rag too much. I mean, it's just, it is hard to hold on. It, it's hard to, it's hard to, it's, it's, I mean, there's no suspense here. There's just none.
3: <laughs> Never will be.
0: Okay. Well, let's talk now about what the show does really right. Um, so we go to Hard Home And John and Tormund want to talk with the elders. And they have to do some killing. To, well, Tormund has to do some killing to do that. And then they do some talking and John presents his idea. Basically, if they don't all band together, everyone's going to get plowed under by the others. And he offers a bag of the dragonglass weapons to them and also land south of the wall. And after some back and forth, they finally get some buy in for most everybody. But the Fens, who everyone else concludes that they hate them. Fucking Fucking hate hate them. Fucking hate the Fens. (laughs) <laughs> and they're in the process of moving about 5,000 wildlings onto the boats to be taken out to the ships. And I, I'm going to go because I know we've got a lot to say. Um, but basically the dogs start barking quite ominously and to, you know a- alert us that the others and their zombie army is arriving. Uh, the Fen guy, whose name I don't know, closes the gate, leaving about half of the wildlings on the wrong side a lot of screams and it then goes all eerily silent. And then possibly in what I think is one of the best sequences the show has ever done, the whites mount their attack hmm. and the wild lean elder woman who has a character name. It's Carsey, um, wants John to leave because she fears that without him, the night's watch is not going to let the free folk um, on the other side of the wall. And the battle's going on and John wants to go to the building which is on fire now, which has the daggers. And in the middle of this kick-ass battle and when he engages one of the White Walkers, um, we learn that Valerian Steel can also defeat them. It's really too bad that's not in particularly plentiful supply. Uh, and everybody's getting overwhelmed and whoever's left, they're heading for the boats. And at the end... John Tormund and Ed are on the boats in the water, watching as the Night's King lifts his hands and all the dead wildlings rises white. And credits. Jesus and fucking realized, Christ! This, that was a I very mean, lame guys, summary. I apologize, but this oh, was—it's was... better than the
3: synopsis that just said John travels. So, <laughs> 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 biggest understatement of the century. Oh, God.
2: Un- un- it like was, it was,
3: great. was great.
2: Oh, God, right? I mean, I, I almost get the feeling that they, they, they really were in- invested in setting up the season correctly, and that they have a bunch of payoff moments at the end of the season, just like this thing, and that they just kind of let the middle of the season just kind of fall to the floor, mm-hmm. not really paying enough attention to it, because this fucking scene was fantastic. I mean, was- they were just firing on all cylinders. This was... Yeah really and it wasn't just that it was a really big moment of payoff it was that there was some fantastic fucking storytelling going on here
1: which we've been missing the
2: last few episodes
1: yeah I've got to say look I can't think of anything that did wrong in this scene I I was watching and I was just it just the good stuff just kept coming it was it was (laughs) it was just amazing it was amazing look I love the fact that this is John's moment this is kind of what it's all been building to and I mean I think everyone knows by now that I'm a huge John fan I know Chickie's a huge John fan and it just felt really rewarding to to see him shine in this way um I don't know I if you if you look closely at the episode it has a a sort of recurring theme throughout which is about humanity and identity and this is where that theme really comes to the forefront. Um, when the scene first begins, you know, we've got John trying to convince the Wildlings to come with him back to the wall. You know, it's important for us, it's important for you, we need to to band together to fight this non-human threat. And it's like what Sam said to Ollie before in their ill-advised little chat um, where he says, um, he tells them that Wildlings are people, they're just like you and me, they're good ones, they're the bad ones. And John, John, more than anyone, recognises this. You know, he hasn't forgotten that the wildlings killed his friends. He says as much to, to Carsey in the in the tent. But he also knows um, a couple of things. He knows, firstly, that they need the wildlings to help, um, to help them, I guess, and, and to prevent the wildlings from joining the ranks of the undead, if either of them have any chance to survive. And, and secondly, he recognises the wildlings are like them, human beings, and and like all human beings, they're capable of doing great and terrible things and that they deserve to be treated as human beings regardless. So, you know, this to me sort of highlights what are the two great things about John, and that is, you know, he's got this huge capacity for empathy and this, this huge concern for the greater good. And he's also got this ability, this real ability to learn and then that based on what he's learned in a really brave way like no matter the risk to himself and we see this play out in this in this entire sequence of events where he doesn't just go running back to the boat he's not rushing back to the wall he's going to stay and fight he's going to stay and fight to try and do what he can to protect these human beings and this is what makes a john a hero in my eyes well yeah that two... in...
0: sorry go ahead Tom. i had two small things and I was watching with other people and the first was the I was momentarily confused about where the gate was located and who was on what side of it um and the people I was with were asking that too um and the other thing was and they talked about this in inside the episode the whites can be defeated by fire and John knows that and I kept on I kept waiting for him to say you know something about fire but that's pretty small those were pretty much it and what i thought was an outstanding i mean i thought it was fantastic well it's so funny
2: you know that's one, been one of the biggest complaints and i do agree i mean it's not just john who knows that that fireworks against the whites i mean definitely the the wildlings know as well so it was kind of like a, a little bit of a plot hole, but it's like Yo. there was so much action you almost didn't care um i mean like this was this was the first time in i don't even know how long that i was like Getting up out of my seat to just fucking cheer. Like when John shattered that White Walker, I was just absurdly like happy. I
0: can't even tell you. The way they (laughs) staged that, the way that there was that like half a second where both John and the White Walker were like, whoa, you know, and that. Well, it was was the sense of suspense. It was the yeah. sense of suspense and
2: I'm going to go ahead and credit the, dire- the director with this because it was entirely the directing <laughs> that there was We're this much suspense. But, you know, this is what it takes to really, you know, you have to have conflict and you have to have um, suspense in order to get really good drama and and this scene had all of that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it it just built so beautifully. I mean, the the writing was was great, too. Um, uh, these guys were really on point with this. You can just tell this was one that they were really concerned about. But the way that they just get off the, the boats and, you know, torment has to kill Rattleshirt to even get him a foot in the door. And, sure. and from there, it just snowballs. And then, you know, he's face to face with some Thens. And, you know, we know Thens at this point. I mean, I'm not going to say I'm thrilled with what they've done with Thens. But, I mean, it was so much payoff for things that they've built up for seasons at this point um well, and they everything cast was those good. two
0: parts so well both the sen oh, guy whose name i, I yeah. can't remember the character's name and well, uh, well, it was fantastic
2: his name Carsey is laboda or laboda yeah, okay and and Carsey. i mean uh, you know I, there's been so much so much fandom hoopla about carcy and i completely agree i think totally. i think about eighty percent of this was casting. I mean, I think um, yeah. <laughs> Brigada uh, Hjort Sorensen was an unbelievable choice. I mean, she was she was incredible, and I do think that that they really cast the then well as well. But I mean, you know, you know, she is this 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 Car- character is totally in the the D and D wheelhouse. She's a strong woman who fights. You know, with a with yeah. men's weapons and. She takes charge, and so, you know, she mm. she is a character that they should get right, but they really added some great elements to her, like she was a mom. Um, there was so much that was great
1: here, and it's like, you just want to go her extrapolate guests. on this, guys. Don't kill her. <laughs> like, yeah, look, I, I liked oh. the fact that they fleshed her out. I liked the fact that she was a mother. I've got to say, the one thing I didn't love was the fact that she was <laughs> essentially brought down by her love of children. That's very much to me reverting back to that whole, oh, women, uh women and mothers trope, the nurturing aspect. Yeah. I mean, she's meant to be this fierce warrior woman, and yet she's confronted by some child whites, and all of a sudden she just loses the capacity to act. That I didn't love. But overall, man, she was a fantastic character. She, then- This is how you write a sympathetic, kick-ass character. And I'm left wondering, if they can write Cassie, why can't they write the Sand Snakes in a similar vein? Oh, yeah. I don't think they can and get them. They- and they've
0: had more screen time. So there's no excuse. they like yeah. their original yeah. they like their original characters, and i it's sort of like fan fiction writers who start out and then sort of like become enam- enamored of their original characters, and then it's suddenly not about whatever I think that's sort of what happens to them, but mm-hmm. i mm, you know yeah. another thing that confused the people I was with, and then people at my job were saying the same thing they thought those children were hers, and I'm like, no. No, the her children are on the boat. Yeah, it's interesting And also, I don't think... I thought they're like regular zombies, right? Like, they're fairly whole to begin with, and then as time goes on, they lose parts of them. I mean, those kids looked pretty raggedy. Yeah,
3: they were. In a zombie
0: sense.
1: It's it's interesting that you mentioned the whole confusion of the scene and how some people, you know, were confused with what was going on, because I saw similar complaints um, on Reddit. And... I I don't really share that complaint. I feel like it was actually directed in a way that it really worked for the scene. It sort of provided this sense of confusion yeah. and really it made you wonder what the hell was actually going to happen. I mean, like Chicky, I was on the edge of my seat watching that. I didn't I mean, obviously as book readers, we normally have that um, comfort of knowing exactly what's going to come next, right. or in most cases at least. But here I was just so worried for everyone. I mean, you know, I presume John would survive, but man, was I worried about Dolores sent there. I was really yes. concerned he wasn't going like, to make no, it. No, please, please get on the boat. No, no. Get on are the you- boat. Hey, can we please talk about how awesome One One is? One One the giant. He was fantastic. Yes. You have no idea how delighted I was to see him. And I immediately thought, it's One One. And then when Torment actually called out to him called and him named him him yes. i was so excited <laughs> i love the fact that he's basically just gonna stroll back to the wall like through yeah. the water he, like he yeah.
0: steps on one of the whites i thought that was so awesome how reminiscent was that of the
1: ents in lord of the rings where they're like yeah. stamping on the it was there were a lot of lord of the rings sort of uh
3: <clears throat>
0: well he not references a but... fire too. yeah yeah I also wondered, and and this is not a criticism. I'm just curious. I wondered if they were influenced or inspired. Um, it's an old movie at this point, but um, Jason and the Argonauts, Ray How- Harryhausen. I mean, now it looks incredibly dated, but there's the skeleton warriors. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this at all. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I, I kind of wondered if they kind of took a riff. You know, they kind of like had seen that and were kind of inspired by it because it made me think of it. But this is like, taking what was very is now very simplistic and then, you know, amping it up to the nth degree in a really mm-hmm. impressive way.
2: There I'm was there was just, a lot of Jason and the Argonauts criticism of um of 4x10 last year, the 10th episode when they had mm-hmm. those oh, skeletons yeah. that killed Jojen. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like they took that and they doubled down and somehow they pulled it off this year and I don't <laughs> know how they did it because when I first saw that they were still using the skeleton thing, I I literally was like groaning. I was like, "Oh no, they're not." And then They just turned it up to 11 and it was like, oh God, this is working. I don't even know how, but it
1: is. Yeah, I just, I didn't know if it was just the fact that it was, it was. Um within the context of a fantastic scene and I was just really enjoying everything and that changed my perspective. But I just feel like in some ways the skeletons perhaps weren't quite as comic as comical as they were in in, in 410. I feel like you know, they had them sort of dancing around and stabbing Jojen, like in this really natural kind of way. I don't know. They were part of a much
0: larger arsenal. I think that was partly it. It wasn't just them, it was the whites, it was the others, it was the confusion of the battle, it was just, mm. and they used sound really, really. Oh my god! And the the music. scoring was brilliant. It was, it was, it really... was amazing. Okay, people yeah, I've got think to say, this... the show. This was fantastic. Okay, <laughs> I've got
1: to. Can we just give props to... who is the who is the music guy again? Isn't it Armin Roman or, Arjun. or Arjun. Something. Yeah,
2: Something. yeah,
1: he is. Yeah. Um, he is amazing. Uh, everything was on point with the sounds. There's that moment where the dogs start barking and the mist rises and you can hear this low-level background hum. Like it's, it sound, it's like a ticking noise. It sounds like a timer. Mm-hmm. Like hearing that along with the screaming of the wildlings outside the gate, it was so incredibly foreboding. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the screams just stop and there's just complete silence but for and the wind and you it. know bad shit's about to happen they held well, it, the way they that the didn't resort fell. to the, dun- dun- yeah. dun- no
0: they held it it was a beautiful yeah. moment I jumped, oh God, yeah. I knew it was coming when they, the guy was peering through the, whatever the hole and like, I knew it was last, coming but I still jumped man
1: the last couple of minutes of the episode two, um, you know they've got that whole stare down happening between John and the Knights King and um, they Sort of cut between close-ups of their faces and those long landscape shots showing, you know, all this huge army, terrifying army of the undead, and then the knight's king just kind of lifts his arms,
0: and
1: you know, exponentially increases the size of his army. And then you can hear the music and all the background noise. It just starts to fade until all you can hear is is the wind, and you can you can hear the waves lapping. And that's it. And then you just see John and his men sailing away while they're kind of looking at the devastation left behind. It was just incredible.
3: Yeah, and the you credits it as wasn't... well. They didn't put any music, which was, was very, very a good yeah. choice.
2: Yeah it wasn't silent in my house at the end because my sister came <laughs> over at the last minute and we were both screaming dead things in the water that was the one slight hold up for a book fan here is because in the books when we hear descriptions of 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 hard home from Pike, yeah. he, he sends a message and he says what is it dead things he
1: sends things, i think does he send three letters room? and like, yeah. they each are progressively
2: worse until they get yeah, yeah. dead
1: things in the water, dead things in the wood. Dead things so whatever in the wood,
2: dead things in the water, yeah. And so it was like, I was like, oh man, why but for some reason the water stopped these zombies, which was, you know, whatever. But <laughs> it made
1: for really it, powerful. Did it stop them or were they doing what they normally do and leave some survivors to go off and tell? I mean, they left a lot of survivors.
0: I was kind of reminded mm. of early, early, like original Doctor Who where the Daleks, like back black and white Doctor Who where the Daleks would be defeated by, like, stairs. The staircase. <laughs> and that was what I instantly thought of, and then I got swept back in, thank God. But And it I just the, did... the hooded guy in the boat, I kept it's waiting. It's cold hands. It's cold hands. I kept a waiting to find out waiting. that that was a white. Ha-ha, I
1: got it's you. It's cold hands,
0: guys. It's Benjen.
1: It's Benjen. Oh, Benjen. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's hot Uncle Benjen. <laughs> <laughs> Not so hot anymore. How dare Aww. you.
3: But yeah, the visual (laughs) effects in this in the entire scene was also amazing. I love the Night King makeup. I know they showed him in season four, but like if you compare like how he looked like in season four and now, they really stepped up their game. It doesn't look cheesy.
1: I love the look. I love that shot that panned up to the four White Walkers, the four Walkers oh, yeah. of the Apocalypse. apocalypse yeah. <laughs> it was just really uh, cinematically stunning. And, and what really struck me also was that shot of John um, just after he's killed the White Walker and the Night's King is looking down on him. And you've got John just there almost by himself. Is on his hands and knees in the ice alone. It's such a classic, like loner hero shot. Like that's the guy. That's the guy who's going to save us. Like, is this Azora High? Oh, and man. oh, you know what else was interesting is someone on Reddit pointed out that, and I'm not sure. I couldn't confirm this, but someone on Reddit suggested that it was the Lord of Light theme music playing faintly in the background during that scene of, with John. I don't know. That would be fantastic if it was. An
0: idea yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I didn't get a chance to check it out.
0: I'm not really oh, good with those audio cues, so I'm willing to believe it. We need cray. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: and that's and yeah. yeah
3: that, uh, part where like they're throwing the when um, they hurdle themselves off the cliff. That was that was awesome. I was
1: See, so that was something that come. could have been comical
0: too, but my god, it yeah. was so well done. I think part of that was the performances, the look of utter horror on the actors, who just all brought everything they had to this. Because mm. this could have mm. gone, this could have gone very ridiculous, and it didn't. They just, they kicked ass. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah well,
3: so that's many it. Had the potential to be so cheesy, but yeah. thank God,
1: like yeah. you could have been
3: old. pulled out of this so easily, and as you,
1: we I, were, me, with I just though. really never was. Yeah, as we were with the scene in 410, but no, really, just everything worked, <laughs> everything worked. You know what was interesting to me about the episode as a whole, because what they did is they essentially cut it in half, they devoted about half an hour to the the stuff that we're used to, you know, the whole politics stuff and all that sort of stuff, and then they devoted about half an hour to the stuff at Home and to me, the show's two halves seemed almost like two different shows. You know, it was almost this jarring contrast between the story that we know, you know, the the whole various players in the Game of Thrones parrying for position, and then the story that we've really barely had a hint of, and that is, I mean, arguably the far more important story, which is the threat of the others. And, yeah, it was just really well done. And as I said, it felt almost jarring. And that, that sort of worked as a sort of... um a startling reminder, I guess, that there's something else out there. You know, there's something bigger than this whole Game of Thrones. And it's something that has until now, I guess, um, been really disconnected from the main storyline. So it was interesting to see them in one episode. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how now this threat of the White Walkers, which is certainly more imminent now, how that's going to be folded back into the longstanding narrative. Like how is it going to work with the other characters?
2: What I appreciated about it was this is something that the show has earned because if there's anything that I feel they've done well, it is to keep this threat present for the viewer, the threat of the others. And Mm -hmm. I think it all paid off in spades here. I mean, like they earned every moment of this. And this is something I hope that they take away is that, you know, when you plant seeds, you know, early on and you and you and you keep them subtle and and you keep them present, things like this do pay off. You don't have to, you know, Ollie Potato Boy, make it really obvious what's going to
3: happen. because It it
2: seems like as much as, you know, this has been kept a present danger, you get the feeling that a lot of viewers didn't understand just how great and terrible this threat was i think those Mm. of us who are book readers have an inkling knowing a little bit about the long night but i mean even still i was just odd odd in the way that one is terrified by by the the strength and the power of the threat and i think that's an amazing thing to be able to inspire in someone like a book reader who's incredibly jaded like i am and Mm -hmm. um yeah (laughs) well i mean i'll just be honest (laughs) But I I, I I really have to give them props because this is one of the things that they have always done well. So I'm not even shocked that they did this well. This is one thing that they've always managed to do for me. And that is keep Mm. this story going well.
0: How okay.
1: how much of our enjoyment of this scene do you think is based on the fact that we just didn't know what was going to happen, that we didn't know really how it was going to play out in right? most aspects? I mean, yeah. I, mean, I kind of like a... it. I kind of like being unsullied, guys. Yeah, I <laughs> If, mean, this, you if you know, this is even, the payoff,
2: I mean, even I with mean, what we know of home, we don't know that this has happened precisely. I mean, no. we just know that Cotter Pike went and tried to get – um, the wildlings to come. We know that there's clearly some presence of the others or mm-hmm. whites, but we have no idea what's going on. And so, yeah, it it was a surprise. And I mean, it may be that it may be that the the shock is good. I don't know. I've never watched the show and not really known mm-hmm. at all what was going to happen. And and so this was a new moment.
0: Yeah. I was spoiled for um, Blackwater, but I still felt. I mean, I knew what the plot was, and I still that really resonated with me. Um, I don't know. I mean, and I wonder kind of if the reason why they did hard home in one big chunk is because if you had split it up, I wonder if it would have been as powerful. Oh no, there's no way it would have been as effective. You would have need to was... have been a master editor, yeah. and I don't think they've honestly they don't have that going. I
1: mean, it, the thing about the it just kept coming. It just kept yeah. coming. It just kept building. There's no way if they kept cutting away from that that it would have been nearly as effective. I'm really glad that they they set it out the way that they set it out
2: yeah well you know it's funny they've had some tv critics who've been lobbying for years for them to to put the show together a little bit more like this you know maybe only do three say three locations in an episode and just do big chunks of time and um you know they've had their two bottle episodes which were Blackwater and castle black and and you know i think castle black was maybe not quite as resounding success i thought it was great but um this this is an example of of how this kind of kind of uh it's not, it's not a bottle episode, but it's almost like a mini bottle episode within an episode. And certainly this is not a bottle episode in the sense of saving any money, that's for sure. But I think this is an example of how that kind of storytelling could really work for the show. And I kind of wonder if maybe they will explore this a little more, especially going into the next season, because this seems to have been a resounding hit. I mean, you know, book readers, show watchers, everybody was nuts about this episode that I've talked yeah.
1: about. Um, I do wonder, though, is it mostly effective because these are battle scenes and they sort of rely on that. Ding I mean, ding ding. I think you yeah, hit on the head. Yeah, I mean it relies on I guess that building up of of fear and of anxiety. Yeah, and, there is yeah. An,
0: in- an inherent investment in what's going on when you have a battle mm. for sure. There are things these guys do really well and we just had that. This was this you was sure fantastic.
1: Did. So now we know that Valerian Steel uh, you know, can kill Which white I- walkers. Aren't we yeah. all really glad that Brienne yep. has her very own Valerian oh, still I saw the
0: Tumblr post that I was dying. I'm like, oh, thank God. And she's in you know, the North too. You know, there's several of them around. I mean, you know, we, we know about,
1: <laughs> we, we know about Oathkeeper. We know about Widow's Whale. I know how Tali has uh, heart, heart Spade and I know there are I, several others. I don't, but don't I just... know where
0: Widow's – I hope Widow's Whale, yeah, whale is not well. with Tommen in his uh... – <laughs> Breakdown in this
1: yeah. Look, has someone tried to offer him a basket of kittens to break him, him out of oh. the Important. Part.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Poor Cats Tommen. will save you. Poor but. Tommen.
0: Well, and somewhere out there is Bright
2: War <laughs> or Bright Roar. There's but. a few, yeah. Yeah, why didn't Tyrion find that when he was in Valyria? Come on, now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he could have found that and Benjen. I mean, there are a few things there that he could have found. <laughs> anyway, could've... Jerry and Lannister <laughs> skeleton little sweater i love Same. the idea of jerry and lannister, lannister jerry and- just kind of walking
0: around valeria with his uh sword just you know so lonely <laughs> i once saw a theory that i think actually i may have that there's a tavern somewhere where brendan i think actually no i said this there's a tavern somewhere where brendan Bla- uh Bla- the blackfish uh jerry and hot uncle Benjamin are all hanging out you know pounding back the ale that's a party I want to be
1: that's a party I want to be involved in. <laughs> uh,
0: um so anything else?
2: I uh, I I mean what else is there to say? I think we
0: It was awesome. <laughs> I, think, yeah, I think we got it down Pat. Well, my only complaint about this episode is that there was no J and B and there was no J or B. Mm. Right. Um but we did get an Anon who wanted to know Now that we are near the end of the season, anyone have any predictions as to what might happen to Jamie and Brienne? How do you think their storylines will play out by the end of this season? Look, there's an easy answer to that, and that
1: is, on top of a table, with Jamie on top of Brienne.
0: (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) Is this so. a, a fictional show that you want to exist? Or is that's the fictional show that exists in my head, comma. This is, okay. this is the group fanfic
2: we're all reading. That's the one.
1: Though, I, I, mean, I don't know. I mean,
2: there's there's not going to be a reunion in this season,
1: guys. <laughs> no, Just there's sounds. not. Though, I, I think it's safe to say. <laughs> yeah. As I, as mean, I talked about a little bit beforehand, it's so hard to speculate. I mean, I was having to think about this earlier. Though, I... I'm really torn about Brienne's storyline. I think there's a possibility that she may not even make it to Sansa, that she might be intercepted before she can reach her, potentially by Stannis. I mean, I don't know. After all the setup, I feel like there has to be a confrontation with Stannis this season for Brienne. I mean, I guess it could happen early next season. But, yeah, I mean, no matter whether Brienne participates in Sansa's escape or not, I kind of feel like her fate
0: is tied to Stannis this season. I would just be thrilled if she would get out of that um – Well, it's not a hotel room, but the inn. Just get her out away from that window and, okay, at least she'd moved a little. (laughs) She does. She goes out and
2: and stands around and
0: stares at Winterfell, too.
2: Yeah, she does. (laughs) Sometimes she stretches her legs. (laughs) I mean, you know, I I think, yeah, I, I have a feeling... I don't know. I do have a feeling Brienne's going to be derailed, but I don't know what that will amount to or where she'll end up afterward. I don't think she's going to die. I still am seeing this not ridiculous speculation no, from the fandom at large. And it's just like, no, nah. if, if anyone's but, safe, Brienne's safe. Yeah, but uh, I don't see a reunion. And,
0: and, not no, this the season. Jamie no. line,
2: <laughs> the Jamie storyline is really a huge question mark at this point. I mean, next week, we're probably going to get some big answers, I would assume. Um, I don't know, you know. Maybe Doran will send Jamie north make him take the black or something. I mean, you know who knows. They could come up with some way to to send him to the wall, get him north somewhere that what they could possibly run about into one another.
1: Is do you I mean, you know how we were just we had that Cersei scene earlier and we we're discussing, you know, whether or not she sent a letter and how we want to send the letter. I just wonder. I mean, I'm not entirely convinced we're even going to have Jamie's rejection of Cersei this season. Yeah, like it just thought, yeah. there was there was this interview um, earlier this year with Jessica Henwick who plays Nymeria Sand, um, and she said that she initially met Nikolai and that they were walking together on the set of a large ship. Now, I mean, that could just be the ship that Jamie travelled to Dawn on. I mean, but I wondered if it could indicate that Jamie and Nymeria are travelling together somewhere later this season. I mean, could they be on their way back to King's Landing? I mean, we all know in the books there's,
0: you know... The later this season. more counts all of two episodes well that's so. it
1: I mean <laughs> there's just not a huge amount of time for Jamie to get anywhere and we know that he's still in Dawn next episode um, yeah, so yeah I, I mean I
3: don't know I don't know go ahead go. oh no I was just gonna say and I don't think he's making an appearance for episode 10 because according to IMDB he's, his name is not on there
1: yeah, although a, you can never really there. tell with Internet movie database, but yeah, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just I wonder how yeah. it's all gonna tie into Cersei's betrayal. Um Well, that's it,
2: isn't it? I mean, you know, the thing the thing we all need to keep in mind is it's likely in the books that Jamie and Cersei um will interact again. And yeah. I think we need to keep in mind that the show may be doing that. And yeah. You know, we just don't know. We don't have a clue what's going to go on. Um, you know, so I, I think we need to. About- you know, if Jamie, if Jamie is on a boat at the end of the season, we really don't know where he's going to be going. And I, I think maybe tempering those expectations a little bit would be a good thing. Um, just in light of that, I, I yeah, I'm I like mean, at this point, I don't, not- I don't smell the the Jamie Cersei breakup. I mean, it might. Mm. It might it might be something crazy like the necklace idea next episode, but I mean we're like we're running out of real estate things. Whoops, season.
0: she was wrong or she yeah. they never sent her a necklace or whatever sense, and okay. he puts it together, but
2: Yeah, I mean and, I, I think uh it could go a lot of ways, you know what I mean? I mean I think I if mean, they I, were interested in having Jamie and Brian together and getting something going with them this season, they'd be together and I don't yeah, think that we'd the, have this separation. Uh,
1: there's no way. I, there's no... I never thought there would be a reunion after I saw the episode synopses and I, I still don't think there'll be a reunion. There's just no time. Location-wise, they are far too far apart. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I start wondering, talking about Jamie and Cersei meeting again, if maybe they, he, and, he is returning to King's Landing at some point and that's where he realises the extent of Cersei's betrayal. I mean... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's near impossible for me to speculate the way that the season's been written. Anything could really happen. Like you said. Yeah,
2: it, it really is. And I, I'm, I'm like you. I mean, I, he could be on his way back to King's Landing. And if he is, he's probably not leaving this season. Um, we're yeah. probably talking about well into season six before we see any movement there. Maybe. I mean, it, it's hard to know. We'll, we'll know. We'll know in a few days. I imagine, I imagine by the end of episode nine, we'll have a good idea of what's going to go on. with him. Uh So hang in there. Um, no, I don't think you're going to see anything in season five. Maybe season six.
0: Yeah, I, I concur. All right. Um, I guess YD. Um, do we have any thank yous? We do have some thank yous.
1: Um, we'll start with uh, one by Godo. Godo, you sent him something. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> she has to be here for it. She's here for it. I love it. Um. So Godo says, I feel like I should get Godo to read this out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I want like to this, <laughs> this <laughs> awesome chick called Godo sent this in. <laughs> now that we've gotten deeper into the magical aspects of Game of Thrones with this past episode, would now be the right time to introduce Lady Stoneheart. That is, if she will ever be on the show at all. Also, yeah. shout out to all the fabulous, gorgeous women on the podcast. God I <laughs> You guys you guys kill it every week. Oh, you can come back any time, baby. <laughs> um it's yeah, so did you funny. wanna did you guys wanna discuss the Strainheart yeah, thing? You well, may as well.
2: fandom, fandom there's been a resurgence of of uh of uh-huh. uh
3: yeah like everyone keeps talking about it
1: so
2: well you know well, what's most funny? of this is attributed to the fact that they have titled episode 10 mother's, mother's
1: mercy. mercy mother's yeah. mercy
2: mother apostrophe s mercy um and yeah. uh, one of Catelyn's titles that is listed only in the appendix of Feast is yeah. Mother Mercy. And that- I have
1: never seen it's- so much discussion about the placement yeah. of an apostrophe in my life. Oh, me <laughs> <either>. <laughs> it's like, wait,
0: <laughs> wait, it's singular. Times. It's singular. They're talking about Lady Stoneheart. <laughs> and you wonder why I like Stannis the Grammar Nazi. Oh. Oh.
1: You know what's funny is like it was it's such it's kind of a timely question, Godot, because you know, I talked a little bit about how there's this really strong theme of humanity running through this episode, and it's it's shown in pretty much every scene. Um, with Cersei, you know, she's in a cell being treated as something less than human, and then we've got Kyburn referring to his what we can only assume to be his human awesome. experiments. Yeah. Um, you know, Jorah's grayscales accelerating; he's facing, you know, becoming something less than human very, very soon. Um, it it was really prevalent throughout, and you know, obviously, it all culminates at Hardhome with this battle between human and non-human, um, and leaves us with, I guess, a continuing threat to humanity. So, what would fit in really beautifully with this theme is the appearance of Lady Stoneheart. Um, look, I don't think I still don't think she's ever going to show up in the show. Yeah, I think, um, but yeah i think she's gone look what's interesting to note is we recently had some casting news that indicates that a Septon mirabold type character will feature in season six and of course (laughs) my little jb shipper heart immediately started to think hey maybe they're gonna do at least some part of the Brienne quiet isle stoneheart storyline but yeah look honestly i just i just can't see it happening at this point as much as i want to believe i think that the time for stoneheart has passed
0: and Michelle Fairley, yeah. I'm looking at her IMDB page right now. She looks like she's a fairly busy lady. She's so got I don't, a lot going on. Like, yeah, yes. I don't see this happening. I wanted no, to. Yeah. I think it would be awesome, oh, me too. but I doubt me it. Too. Yeah. That's I just feel like the moment has
2: passed. I feel like at this point it would just be kind of why. I, I mean like yeah. and not just speaking as a book reader but even just from the show perspective it would be why would you do that?
1: End of season now, 4 I was perf- was a yeah, perfect, perfect time out. and I think that's gone now
2: unfortunately. Yeah.
1: I mean but but
2: hope hope <laughs> Hope continues because man, people are going to be looking
1: for Stoneheart <laughs> until the final oh, of the final episode. <laughs> <laughs> right, I think roll, I think certain I think certain people like... are. I think certain people are still going to be sitting on their couches a week after the final episode airs, <laughs> oh, staring at the TV. She's coming! I'm telling you. She's guys. coming, guys! <laughs> no, just just, 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 damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should we? Uh, does anyone else have anything to say, or should I move along to the Hold rest on, of the I think. All right. <laughs> Uh, okay, this is a little bit awkward. I sent I sent in something as well last week well, because you can initially you I
0: wasn't the Australian voice. <laughs> Thanks, try my best.
1: Look, initially I wasn't going to be on this episode, so I didn't think I'd have any chance of reading it. Anyway, so this is in reference to last episode, which Comma also moderated. Ah, uh, such a fun ep. You guys rocked it. Come, you rose to meet the challenge of moderating admirabl- admirably, especially considering how little time you had to prepare. Well done, my friend. Josie, Clotho and Dramas, you were all wonderful guests with thoughtful and interesting observations and had me laughing out loud on several occasions, which, courtesy of my flu, physically hurt. So thanks, I guess. Clotho and Dramas, thank you so much for stepping into guests at such late notice. We always love having you on and we're so grateful for your continued support. Basically you guys are all awesome and I love you. Kudos on a great app. I may have been drugged up at that point. Anyway <laughs> <laughs> No, but the next know,
2: last week was so amazing. I gotta stop and give some serious props First oh, to Kama who yeah. stepped in to moderate with what five hours notice last week and about three hours notice this week. Yep, You're yep. amazing, Kama. We, <laughs> we love you. We had a perfect Aww. storm on podcast last week. YD Aww. was like sick as a dog. I had a family emergency pop up like six hours before podcast. And then Lot had a work emergency like five hours before podcast. It was a disaster. Mm-hmm. And thanks to the amazing
1: Jamie and Brian fandom, we had amazing oh, people my God. who stepped I, in and, and I literally us. reached out. I reached out to Clotho to replace me. And she immediately said yes. yes. And then... Yeah, and then I reached out to Dramas to uh, to replace, was it Me. you, Chiki or Lot? Yeah. yeah, and again, immediately said yes, and this was on such short notice, you have no idea, and they just came in, and they were absolute stars, and yeah, comma, an absolute star, and... Oh, it's restored my faith in humanity, or at least in yeah. fandom. <laughs> well, and we had something
2: similar this week. I actually just asked Jess to step in yesterday and she
1: was like totally
2: game. Or was it Sunday night? Jess stepped in at Sunday the last night. minute this week too. Yeah. Uh, it was short yeah. it, it's, it it it's been short a crazy notice. week or
1: two of podcast, guys. It has. We managed to pull through, I think. <laughs> All right. Um, we'll move along to the next one, which is by, I think it's Pazuzu. Uh, another Tumblr message. Um, and he or she says, Hello, you marvelous girls. I just want to say a huge thank you for your podcast. I've been listening for a while and you helped me get through the traumatizing episodes and make me laugh even when I was so upset. It's because of you that I keep watching the show. Keep doing your wonderful work and stay like that. You're the best. By the way, I'm French, so you have at least one follower in France. See you. Oh, <laughs> thank you. That's so <laughs> Thank sweet. you so much. So lovely. <laughs> we got, the last couple of messages are from Lot <laughs> no. um the first one just says. So how about them skeletons? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we probably addressed this <laughs> within, the, within the podcast. I feel we did. was the only one
2: who liked the skeletons in the Jojen scene. She really loved them and she defended them too, so I'm sure she was thrilled to see them back again.
1: <laughs> oh, God. Um, and her second message says... Oh, God. Okay, Chicky. I might need your help with the pronunciation. Um, she says, also, I really liked that. Now, I want to say Brig- Brigitte or Brigitte, but you said it was something different. It's Br- Brigitte Hort Sorensen. Okay. Brigitte yeah. Hort Sorensen. Uh, says, I was seriously loving this woman. Who was she and why did she have to ask, Zombie. That, and I want to hear Eon pronounce her name. Well, thanks, love, because a Eon's difference. not here, and I hate you. <laughs> Everybody has to go around the circle and pronounce
2: Brigada and like six times. Ready, go. <laughs> but they
1: had, to do it, they had to do it with the Danish pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's all for thank yous,
0: Goma. Well, if you would like to send us a message, you can at close the door and come here at tumblr.com. Or at closedthedoorandgmail.com.
2: I feel like and we're just encouraging people to send us stuff that we have to try to pronounce. Does anyone else feel that bring way?
0: Bring it on. Bring it on. Feel <laughs> free. I'm not on next week. Make and say all sorts of stuff. Uh, we are also on Twitter at uh, Door Podcast. Please like and review us on iTunes. Uh, that really helps new listeners find the podcast. And lastly, consider supporting us on Patreon. And you can do that by going to Patreon.com backslash close the door. And thank you to all of the people who are already Patreon supporters. Um, thanks to our wonderful panel of guests. And I think that's it. So thanks, everyone. It was so much fun. It was thank fun. It was, thanks, <laughs> guys. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs>